Hard to believe, but it's playoff time in Major League Baseball as we hit the 2018 postseason for, I guess I already said it, for the year 2018. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we sit back and talk about not only postseason baseball, but the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what the Indians are going to have to do to beat the Houston Astros in the divisional series coming up later on this week and what the Reds are going to have to do during this offseason in order to get into the divisional series next year, hopefully in 2019. And in order to do that, we've got to go down south and bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight? Well, I'm depressed, Dave. I'm glad you asked. Um, You guys, with those division-winning teams, getting all excited and fist-pumping and making fun of those of us who have a team that couldn't win the AAA division uh, of minor league baseball. Uh, So, you know, I, I hear the gloating in your voice, and I want you to know it's hurtful. I, I would never gloat. You're gloating right now, didn't you? The word gloat, the way you said it, in, in and of itself was, was gloating. And <laughs> so uh, this is a sad time, but thank God Ohio State won and the Bengals won, so I have something to look forward to this winter. Well, yes, yes, that that that's the good thing. And, of course, the Browns got screwed out of a win yesterday in Oakland. But we won't get into that because this is a baseball show, and we won't talk about football tonight. So, nonetheless, Mark, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up a couple of games today. Boy, they had to go to 163 games to decide the National League Central and the National League West. The Dodgers win the West, and the Milwaukee Brewers won the Central. Any surprises there out of you? Well, I'm only surprised that you have not brought up the fact that I think it was last week you asked me who was going to win the division because I think Milwaukee was behind by two games last week. And what did I say? You said Milwaukee. Okay, yes, I said Milwaukee. And I think Milwaukee is going to be a tough out. Now, I don't, I don't know if, uh, you know, they're going to make it be out of the National League, but whoever beats them is going to have to play well because Milwaukee has the best record you know, coming out of the regular season, going into the playoffs than anybody in baseball. They they're, have a tremendous offensive team. They're getting good pitching. And arguably, I think they have the best, one of the best uh, bullpens in baseball. And I think, I can't think of a better one in the National League. You really believe that? That they have a, I really believe it. They have a better bullpen than the Dodgers. Well, <laughs> look at the numbers. I mean, that they have locked down Four guys in that in that rotation are in the bullpen that come out of there regularly, and they're, they're, they're right now they're dominating. And I, I could say I, I haven't checked this out statistically, but I would bet over the last sixty days, thirty days for sure, that bullpen has been as good or better than any team in baseball. So they're going to be they get a lead, and they've got offensively they can match up with anybody. That is a tough lineup to get through, and if they if they get some pitching, some starting pitching. You don't want to give them the lead in the fifth or sixth inning because you won't, you won't get it back. Mark, you know, these two games today, uh, although they were, especially the, the Cubs-Milwaukee game was a real good baseball game. Um, the Dodger game against Colorado, basically, I think Colorado, once they got down, uh, they just decided to get ready for the uh, National League wild card game. 
even though these were supposedly play-in games, as they said, to determine the uh, divisional winner, realistically, I just it didn't have that playoff feel to me because all four teams were going to make the playoffs anyway. Well, certainly that takes some of the uh, you know the aura away from it. But these play-in games, I think, are ridiculous. I think it's the worst thing baseball has done. Uh, you know, a team goes all through 162 games and it comes down to one game. You know, and some of these teams, you know, are outstanding teams, won well over 90 games, 95 games, and it comes down to one game to get in. Yeah. Uh, that it, it should be at least a three-game playoff between those teams. So that that doesn't make any sense to me. So, And here's the screwy thing about the whole about this, and it didn't dawn on me until uh, I was talking with Greg Mitchell earlier tonight. It really didn't dawn on me, Mark. The two National League teams, or the National League, the two teams that lost today have to turn right around and play tomorrow in the wild card game. Meanwhile, the American League, which didn't have a playoff play in game, they get the day, they get two days off, and they don't play until Wednesday. Yeah, the big thing that does, at this point in the year, the guys aren't tired anymore. I mean, now they got the euphoria and the adrenaline going for the playoffs. What it does, though, it really messes up your pitching rotation. Big time. And, and that, that's, that, if, if you have to win, you know, if the, if the Indians were in a playoff, who would you want to pitch? One game playoff. Uh, well, they, you know, they would probably have gone with Kluber and then come back with Carrasco and Bauer. Yeah, but, you know, that's the point. You want to go with your best, yeah. and that would be Kluber. Now you can't use him for three days. Right. And if you do use him after three days, that's a day less rest he'd normally get. So that's where it screws everything up, is that that idea of you got to win that one game. So the... That, that's, why that's, it makes, that, that's why it makes no sense that the National League... After having two play-in games today, plays tomorrow while the American League they get two days off. Does that have anything to do with the fact that the New York Yankees are one of the teams in the in the wild card chase? Well, I, I think that was for TV scheduling, you know, frankly. But you know, that's not the point. The, the point is if you if you set it up on a three-game playoff, everybody gets to rest two or three days, and I think the fans would see better baseball. It's it's. The way it is now, it's better than it was without the wild card. I think the wild card is a great idea, but you could make it even more exciting if you break these divisions into either smaller components or make it one league, National League and American League, and take take the top, say, six teams. Something that I've been something I've been proposing for the last two years. Yeah, I've never disagreed with that. I think that's that's a reasonable way to do it. And so you, you still have teams, you know, trying to get that last spot. You have the same effect of, of the playoffs, but it's, it's, it's more fair, I think, because then you have everybody playing each other, the same number of games. What Cleveland did this year in the American League Central was they took advantage of a horrific, hor- I cannot remember a worse division in the history of division play in baseball. You have three teams, Minnesota, the Chicago White Sox and Kansas City Royals that are going to get the first three draft choices, I think, or, or three of them. No, they're not even sure. close to that mark. I can't. Kansas City is. Kansas City will get the will get the number one pick, I believe. But Min- yeah, Minnesota gets number one. Min- Min- Minnesota 
fin- finished in third place of the division. Uh, I'm thinking, who else is in the American League? Detroit finished. Finish. Yeah, you've got Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore uh, was absolutely atrocious, and then you've got Texas. Who's the, who's the third team? Texas. Texas. But the the, the teams in the, the Central. Who, who am I forgetting in the Central? I've got. You got Kansas City, Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit, and Detroit. Chicago. Where, where was Detroit? Second. And where was Minnesota? Third. Third. So you had you had Kansas City. Kansas City was last. Min- then the White Sox. And the, what, what were the White Sox? Fourth. Okay, what, I, what, I'm sorry. What was the I record? Check, check that. Check that. Minnesota was second. Then Detroit. Minnesota finished okay. in second place, Detroit, the White Sox, and Kansas City. Kansas City had a record of 58 and 104, and they were just a little bit better than Baltimore at 47 and 115. Oh my God! Yeah. And what was what was Detroit's record? Uh, Detroit was 64 and 98, just a little bit better than the Reds. Okay, well, that's the team I was, I, I couldn't think of. I knew there was another Central Division team that was worse than Cincinnati. <laughs> I know Kansas City was one, and I know Detroit now I know was one. What were the White Sox? 62 and 100. Well, that's it. Those are the three teams I was thinking of then. Those, those teams all had records worse than Cincinnati. Cincinnati was 66 and 91. Yeah, and yet the Indians, and yet the Indians finished with the same record as the Milwaukee Brewers, the Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, okay, well that's, that wasn't my point. My point was, the Central (laughs) Division was the worst division in baseball by far. They had three teams worse than the Reds in the same division. And Cleveland beat the snot out of those teams. And without being in that division, we've said this before, I think Cleveland would have a, a real tough time making the playoffs. And they took it. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not picking on them for beating up teams in their own division. They should. That's what they should. That's what good teams do. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't beat up on teams in their own division. Well, somebody um, did. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the Indians. The teams that the Indians beat the crap out of this year uh, were Boston, the New York Yankees, uh, the, Cal- the Los Angeles Angels, the Seattle Mariners. The teams that they didn't play well against were the bottom three teams in the division, the Oakland Athletics, uh, teams like that. The Indians did not play consistently good baseball this year. I'll be the first one, first one to say that. They but, didn't. Your, your, but your argument is going to be without you saying it, I'll say it for you, they're not they're not designed for that. What they're designed for is what's coming up next week. Yeah, because they've got – I'm not sure. They have not come out yet and announced how they're going to use Trevor Bauer, which is very, very interesting because the way that they've actually thought about playing against Houston is go with Kluber. Kluber's going to pitch game one on Friday. Carrasco will pitch game two on Saturday. They've already announced that those two will be the starting pitchers. Verlander will go in game one for Houston. Keuchel will go in game two. Maybe they haven't come out and said game two, but I'm anticipating Keuchel. It could be uh, Garrett Cole also. Now, the 
situation that the Indians may use Trevor Bauer in is relief, which is something that would really be an interesting facet of the Indians' game because they could come in with Brad Hand, uh, uh, Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, and then Trevor Bauer in that mix too. I mean, you're talking about four gigantic pitchers that you could pitch from the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth, and even Bauer could go two or three innings. Right now what they did over the last three weeks, Mark, was pitch Bauer in two or three innings at a time just to try to build up his arm strength coming back from that leg injury. How did he throw? Oh, he threw real well. Yesterday he pitched uh, three innings in the ball game of shutout baseball uh, to round everything out. I mean, he got, well, actually he went four innings. He he got the old-fashioned save. Um, and, and he blanked, he blanked Kansas City over the last four innings. He, he, he has pitched really, really well this year. And, uh, I, I would be, you know, they're, they're thinking about going with Clevenger as the third pitcher, which that's how deep their staff is right now. And, you know, Clevenger won 12 games this year. He's won 12 games each year, each of the last two years. He's an well, unsung. That's the strength of that team. Yeah. You're right. You don't want to face that team in the playoffs because of their great pitching. Uh, it's just it, when I see that, and I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you on the strength of that pitching staff. There's no question about it. The bullpen is has to be in the top four, top five. But why couldn't they win more games? I because their bullpen stunk so badly in the first part of the year. It really stunk. The loss of Brian Shaw, even though Brian Shaw did not pitch well for the uh, Colorado Rockies this year, was a key loss for the Indians because they had nobody that could set up Miller and Allen in that seventh inning, bridge the gap between the starting pitcher and getting to those two. Then on top of that, add into the fact that Andrew Miller has been hurt for a majority of the year. That's why they went out and pulled off the the trade for Brad Hand and Simber uh, to bring them in in order to kind of just bring in some extra bullpen help. Then once they got those two and Miller started coming back and pitching to full strength, that relaxed the the tension on Cody Allen, and he had his problems towards the end of the year but worked through them over the last month. That allowed Dan Otero to go back to what he's good at, which is the sixth or seventh inning, and it allowed all the other pitchers to get back into the the innings that they were used to pitching in. And I'll tell you, the, the guy that really was the saving grace for the Indians' bullpen this year was Perez. He was really the left-hander that you absolutely just can't can't handle. And he, he got cut by the Reds earlier in spring training. He walked into the Indians, Mark, and he was the saving grace in that bullpen all year long. It sounds like you're gloating again, but I... No, I'm just saying he was. I mean, thank thank heavens for that guy because he just... Every situation that they put him in, Mark, he was a success at this year. Will he do it again next year? No idea. But for this year, he was a guy that stood right up and pitched his butt off for this team. And that was the problem early in the year. That's where they lost a majority of their games, was the bullpen just stunk 
prior to the All-Star break. Well, what do you think the rotation is going to be? Uh, for the playoffs? I, yeah. I, I really think they're gonna, they're gonna stick with Bauer. If they don't have to use Bauer out of the bullpen the first two ball games, they'll throw Bauer in game three. And then they'll go with Clevenger in game four. That brings Kluber up in game five if they need a game five. If they, the, I'll tell you Mark right now, if, if they go into game four in Cleveland up two to one, Clevenger will pitch. If they go into game four down two to one in Cleveland, Kluber will pitch. Carrasco will go game five. That's how they'll stretch it out. Um, but Kluber, uh, they, they don't want to do what they did, uh, a couple of years ago and have to pitch Kluber on three days rest. And that's what they would have to do if they brought him back in game four. They don't want to do that. But if they're down two to one, they will. Well, it's going to be an exciting playoff. It is. Every team, I don't know who we would think, you and I would agree, I think might be Oakland, the team that is least likely to win it. But they could win it. <laughs> so every team in there has a chance to to prosper in, in, the, in the playoffs. And I don't think any team is an odds-on favorite to win it, which makes it, uh, you know, very exciting. You, you know, there's some years where you just, have an idea who's going to be who's going to be there, but uh, I don't see. I mean, if I had a lot of money, which I don't, to bet uh, I don't know who I'd put all, all my money on. I, I yeah, I've got the same problem, but I'm going to tell you right now, I would take the, I would take the field against Boston. I don't think Boston can do it. I, I just don't, I don't believe that they are the type of team that is built to win in the playoffs. Regular season, yeah, they beat the crap out of everybody. But as far as the the uh, the playoffs are concerned, and I'm don't be shocked, Mark, if Oakland beats the Yankees. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not shocked at that at all. I think Oakland uh, is playing great baseball. They have a chance. They're the type of team that can beat you two to one, three to two, four to three in the playoffs. And the Yankees had a lot of home runs, set a major league record, 266 home runs this year, but. As we know, great pitching will stop great hitting, and great hitting is not always hitting home runs. No, it's not. It it, it definitely is not. The the thing about it is is that um, when you when you look at these two ball clubs, uh, Boston and New York, they you're right. They have clubbed their way to 100 or more wins during the regular season, but their bullpens right now are shot. The Yankees don't know what they've got in Araldis Chapman yet because he didn't pitch the, re- the the last few games of the the regular season. They don't know if he's going to be available for the playoffs. That puts their bullpen in a situation that the Indians' bullpen was in at the beginning of the year, and that's where every man has to pitch in an inning that they're uncomfortable in. Boston, they've been spending the last month, Mark, trying to figure out how to get from the fifth to the eighth inning. With their bullpen. They don't know what they've got in Chris Sale. They've only pitched Chris Sale 30 pitches over the last three starts. David Price, they don't know what they've got out of him. The only guy that they've got with any consistency right now out of their rotation is Rick Porcello. And he's even been a question mark over the last few weeks. Well, again, this is exciting. And I just maintain that um, that Cleveland has not shown me the all-round depth that, say, Boston has during the year. Now, 
uh, I, I don't know this to be a fact, but you go back and check. I would bet you that they had a tremendous winning record. You say they didn't. Uh, I'll bet you the other that, that Cleveland won far. I mean, I bet they won 30, 35 games uh, in, in their division. We can check on that and have a side bet. But that, that to me, raises flags <clears throat> that maybe they're not as deep as we think they are. And believe me, I want the Indians to win the World Series. But there's something in this about the team that, that, you know, doesn't win that many games during the year. So we'll see. I mean, it's kind of, that's, that's why you play the games. And I think the Giants are maybe the best team in the last three or four years that have proven you don't have to be a team that wins 95 or 100 games to win a World Series. <laughs> They've done it three times and they have not, you know, been an outstanding team during the regular season. Yeah. So it's a whole, it's a whole new year. You know, you start over, the slate is clean, but I said it last week, and I think I've said it for two or three weeks now, watch out for Milwaukee. Oh, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Milwaukee is going to be a tough, tough out. If I had to take somebody in the National League, I w- it would probably be Milwaukee um, because they are just, from top to bottom, a very balanced ball club. Um, the Dodgers have started playing better baseball as of late. I don't think the Cubs are coming in basically playing as well as they could. Colorado, you know, I've watched them a few times this year. i got to be honest, they're probably the team that I've seen the least out of all the playoff teams. Um, and I know they've got some great hitting. I know Brian Shaw has had his problems in, in Colorado out of the bullpen. But, Mark, I'm looking at that team, and, and if I had to tell you a team that I didn't think was going to make it, I don't think they'll get past Chicago. Well, they may not. I mean, again, a one-game series is not a fair test to, for anybody. Anybody can get, you know, can win one game. But I would not want to play Colorado back in Colorado in a seven-game series. I mean, that is a tough place to play. I don't care what your pitching staff is. I've been out there in Colorado, and I, and I actually played some ball out there. It's, it, and I, when I was pitching, it's so weird because y- your breaking ball just doesn't grip. It's like it's like it is in Arizona. It's so dry. Except Colorado has got the high elevation too. It's dry and it's high, and you, it's hard to throw a slider. It, it's hard to get a grip on a ball that that breaks. So you throw up these spinners up there, and the air is thin, and these guys put a swing on it, and that's why there's so many home runs in Colorado. Watch out for Colorado if they get past Chicago. And I don't know who's pitching for Chicago. Have they announced the starters yet? Yeah, John Lester's going to pitch for them tomorrow. I don't know who Colorado's going to throw, but... Uh, who, who did the Cubs go with today? Because I I didn't hear the beginning of the I didn't see the box score. I haven't seen the box score in that. <laughs> but uh, I, I saw that the game... I saw the... Really, I was focusing on Milwaukee. I was hoping Milwaukee would win it. I, I think they're, they're kind of a cool story. Uh, Chicago just the last month. Chicago has not hit, and you know, one guy that is somewhat nobody talks about it much, but he's come to earth a little bit is Bryant. I don't know if it's because of the injuries he's had this year. He's been injured two or three times. Uh, if his swing is maybe the guys figured him out. I don't know. But, you know, he was killing the ball two years ago for sure. And his production, at least from what I have seen, has gone down rather dramatically. It's other people that have stepped up in that Cubs lineup that have really carried the team. But 
uh, you know, they're 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 going to be tough. Lester's he's a you know he's a dog in a playoffs. He, he just he's like a dog in a bone. Even when he was with Boston, he was outstanding in the playoffs. So he's a he's a he's a big game pitcher that you want in a one game series like this. This this is the guy you want out there. But again, you never know what the weather's going to be. If it's windy in Chicago, all kinds of variables. Yeah, Joe Madden rolled the dice today. He went with Jose Quintana. Um, yeah, I, that's right. And I, I remember when I saw that the Reds beat the snot out of Quintana this twice this year, and I, I'm just thinking, man, he must be. He's got to be saving Lester. That's the only thing I could think of. That's what he did. He saved Lester. He's going to throw Lester tomorrow against Colorado. I'm not sure who Colorado is going with tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to take a look at it right now um, and and see who they've got matched up. Um, right now, the, the only thing they're saying is the probable pitchers yeah, they, all, they, all they've got is Lester. That's all they've got. Uh, Colorado has not come out and announced yet who they're going to throw. Well, I don't think Chicago is nearly the, as good a team now as they were uh, in 2016 when they had Chapman and, and that, that bullpen they had. Uh, the, Bryant's production is down. Uh, it's not the same team. I'm not saying it's a bad team. It's a great team, but it's just not as good as that team. That, that team was a team... At the time, I think everybody thought was going to win the World Series, and everybody was right. They were they were, were the best team in baseball, and they proved it. Right. Uh, but you know, everything in baseball changes so much from year to year. You know, a team can have a, a great season, and next year, I remember the Reds. You know, won the World Series or went to the World Series in 1970. I mean, they said, "Oh, this team's going to win five World Series in a row," even though Baltimore beat them that year. Well, the next year, the Reds lost 85 games or 87 games. They had a losing record. I think they're 71 and 90 or something. So <clears throat> anything can happen in baseball. You never know with injuries. But the thing I like about the Indians' chances is we talk about <clears throat> them going to the playoffs. This, they have built an organization where this is going to be the norm, that this team is going to be around for a long time with the way they've put this organization together, with their pitching. They've got young players they've signed. Uh, they've got a great infield. So I would expect that we're going to be having this conversation about them for the next three or four years at least with the Cleveland Indians. you, you see any reason to think that's wrong? No, not, none at all. I mean, uh, I know free agency is going to change the Indians' ball club somewhat uh, heading into next year, but that pitching staff is still going to be intact, and the minor league system is able to bring players up. Um, I know a lot of people right now are screaming that they want the Indians to re-sign at least for one year Josh Donaldson to team up with Encarnacion in Cleveland. I don't think that's going to happen, Mark. I don't think they're going to re-sign Donaldson. He was a one-month rental, and I think next year when they go into the season, um, Yandy Diaz will be the third baseman for the Cleveland Indians. Michael Brantley, I don't know where he's going to end up. I think he is the type of ball player, though, Mark, that will give the Indians uh, the hometown discount. If they want to keep him and keep him in left field, he'll be glad to stay, and I think he'll give them a bargain basement, bargain basement deal just simply because over the last two years when he's been injured, the Indians stuck by him, and I think he just loves it in Cleveland, and he wants to stay. 
Andrew Miller you know and Cody Allen are two relievers, Mark. Sorry about interrupting you, but uh, th- those two, I think the Indians may keep one of them. I think Andrew Miller, I think if you offered him the same deal right now on a one-year type deal of $9 million, I think he would stay. I don't think you're going to find that he's going to get a bigger deal elsewhere due to the injury problems that he had this year. And it's not just his knees, it's his elbow too. So, you know, Cody Allen, I think he's probably uh, longing for greener pastures. So I don't anticipate the Indians bringing him back. Last Yesterday I was listening to the last game of the year for the Reds, and there was a bunch of talk shows, and I was flipping around, and, and uh, somebody, I don't know to what degree they think they're, where they got their information, but uh, there was a rumor that the Reds were after Donaldson uh, to bring him in next year. They want a big bat, uh, put him at third base, and this was interesting. The play then would to put uh, um, Suarez in left field, and because he, he did not he, – He's a good fielder, but the left side of the infield this year, I think, made 54 errors or something like that. It's not a good defense. And he puts Suarez in left field, or even, you know, the, the, the comment was, well, you could put Peraza in the outfield. I mean, he, he had 290 this year. He had 14 home runs. This guy could hit. And he's got great speed. He could play, certainly play left field or even center field. So it, you bring in Donaldson, and it frees up a lot of options for the Reds. And I don't know Donaldson can play any other position. I think he's only a third baseman. But, you know, if you bring him into the lineup, get Billy Hammond out of the lineup, that changes that team dramatically. Mark, do you really think that the Reds would spend the money on Donaldson? Yeah, I, I, I really do. We can talk to Jeff about this later, but I, I think the Reds, you know, they have finished last place four years in a row. They have got to do something like that. It's not a matter, do I think they will? I know they will. They're going to make a move. Uh, if they don't, they're going to lose a whole generation of, and I think everybody that I've talked to, I only know, I'm not saying I'm best friends with anybody in the organization, but I do know two or three guys that work there and have worked there, and they have insight, and they say that the commitment is there by Castellini, uh, he's going to spend some money, and they're going to make a splash. Now, I hope if they're, if they're going to spend that kind of money, they'd rather get a number one starter. I don't know who they would get, but uh, they, they've got to get some more consistency in that in that lineup. Uh, they were shut out uh, like five times in the last 12 games. Uh, they just were not hitting in September at all. And you need Joey Votto needs some help <laughs> in that lineup because uh, they pitch around him so much. He was going for more bad pitches this year, and I've seen him do that in, in 10 years of watching him play. I, I just I just cannot see the Reds spending the type of money that Josh Donaldson is going to want to come in and play third base. I just can't see it happening. I mean, well, Donald, they, Don, Donaldson's going to want at least $20 million a year. Okay, well, that's less than they're paying Votto. That's less than they're paying Homer Bailey. And they're still playing – yeah, but they're still going to be paying Votto – for a long time, I know, and I think he's I think he's worth it. He had a down year this year, but they, you know, they're going to have the, the Homer Bailey money at least for they're going to have to pay him thirty million dollars next year. So they've got that money coming off the payroll, and you know, they've got to make a splash with at least um, at least one pitcher and at least one position player. At least, and the bullpen's okay. It's not great. It's okay. Uh, the, the defense is, is atrocious. 
uh, the starting pitching, I don't know what word is worse than atrocious, but that's that's what it is. So I'm anxious to get Jeff's insight on this in terms of what he thinks they're going to do because they've got to do something. Well, we're we're awaiting Jeff Lowry's phone call to us, and, and uh, he was supposed to call us here about five minutes ago, and uh, we haven't received anything, so maybe he got caught up with something else right now. But um, well, He may be looking for more money, you know? That's yeah. That, guys, these, these high-priced talent guys, that's what they do. They just demand more money. So give him another 30, 40 grand and get him on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll use your money <laughs> out, out of that. Um, first of all, all right, they've got to decide who the manager is going to be. Jim Riegelman had his interview today. Um, they have not said anybody else that they were going to interview other than they were going to give Riegelman the first opportunity to turn their heads as far as being a manager. Mark, my, my feeling is if they were going to hire Jim Riegelman, they would have done it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that, that's logical. But in this case, I think number one, they have to give everybody with a team with a team they've got. They've got to get everybody a chance. There can't be an odds-on favorite, and, and he had his chance. This team did not play well under Jim Riggleman. They were way under 500, uh, and he he did not turn it around. So they have to. If they hire him, they're going to have to do it on say a one-year contract. And, and if they play bad again next year, then they got to make a change next year. So I think they're, they're looking at this a lot more carefully. And, um, you know, th- this idea about Sandy Alomar, <clears throat> somebody like that, uh, I think it's it, that, that's a, something they ought to seriously consider about going outside the organization and bringing in a fresh perspective because whatever they're doing internally is not working. Well, uh, they there are a few other names that they've brought up. John Farrell is one. He used to be the Toronto manager, also used to be the Boston Red Sox manager, won the World Series in Boston. Uh, Indians, former pitcher, former pitching coach with the Indians, and very good friends with Terry Francona. Uh, the, evidently, they are also going to interview Billy Hatcher and Pat Kelly. Freddie Benavides is going to interview for the position also. And who knows who they're going to bring in from the outside, Mark? Nobody really knows. Obviously, they're not going to interview Sandy Alomar Jr. if he indeed is on their short list until after the playoffs are over. But if you want me to put money on it, I think it's going to be John Farrell. Uh, he's got a World Series pedigree. He's played with good organizations. He knows the team. Uh, he's been with the organization for at least a year, maybe two, uh, in the front office. And I, If they're going to go inside, stay inside, I think he's the best bet. Now, Riggleman, yesterday, apparently they interviewed him before the game in anticipation of today's interview. And he made an interesting comment. He said, you know, if I don't get the job, I love this organization, and I'd like to stay with it. And I think he could be he could be your bench coach. He could be a AAA manager. He could be a head of scouting or something. So he probably sees the writing on the wall, and what he doesn't want to do to say to the Reds, either you know, give me the managerial job, or you can go jump in the lake. Yeah, so he's already he's done that once before. That's right. It, that didn't, did not turn out too well. No, and that that stayed with him. That stayed on his resume as a real negative for four or five years. And I don't, you know, 
Major League Baseball doesn't forget stuff like that. And for those of you who don't know, he during a contract negotiation when he was with the manager of the Nationals, he simply walked out during the middle of the year because they wouldn't sign him to a contract, and that uh, that's not good. Where, where's <laughs> Where's Brian Price right now? You know, that's a good question. I was thinking about that today. I don't know where he is. I I, I didn't see where anybody picked him up, and he, he's an outstanding pitching coach. And he, he, he was a much better pitching coach for the Reds than he was a manager. I've never seen a major league manager that was so weak on in-game strategy. That That's the thing that I, I just go nuts when I used to watch him manage. I, I couldn't understand why he was doing the stuff he was doing. And he was too much of a of a player's manager. He was afraid of upsetting people and getting him mad because he took him out or pinch it for them or whatever. And, and and that's one thing I do like about Rigman. Rigman doesn't do that. No, he definitely doesn't. Mark, before we get into the other four questions that the Reds website is asking about this team and then get back into the American League playoffs, uh, just in case uh, Jeff doesn't uh, isn't able to join us, there were some managerial openings over the weekend. Uh, and I know what you're going to get at, the one we've been talking about for five years. Yeah, yeah, the Angels, Mike Sosha. Boy, Ken Rosenthal, I guess he knew more than what uh, Mike Sosha wanted to let on, didn't he? I guess, and uh, I, I don't know how a guy's kept his job this long. It's always been with the lineup he had and that organization and the money, the L.A. market, all those things, and they couldn't win. It's just amazing. Now, I'm going to say right now, Toronto is one of the teams that is losing a manager in John Gibbons, okay? With Mark Shapiro in Toronto, if he stays there, now there's a big rumor that Mark Shapiro is going to the Mets to take over for Sandy Alderson. Now, if he does that, then that opens everything up for Toronto. If Shapiro stays in Toronto, Mark, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say Alomar Jr. will be the manager of Toronto. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it just makes too much sense. Baltimore, yeah. I'm not sure who in the world wants to take over that job. But, you know, we we talked about this about a month ago. And about the most overrated managers. Mark, i got to tell you, Buck Showalter has got to be in that argument. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, you're right. And I think Socha was in that argument. Yeah, we Everybody talked about Socha. But, you know, I never – Buck Showalter is one that after I heard his name, he was going to be gone. You know, it, it just made – I got thinking, boy, you talk about a guy that just is overrated and has never really done what a lot of the media thought he was going to be, and that is a great manager. He just hasn't done it. Yeah, and, you know, that to me, the guy that is out there that now will have his pit is Joe Girardi. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to be able to go anywhere. He's got some big options. He could go to Los Angeles. He could go to Cincinnati. He could go to New York. Uh, I, I think the Mets, I, I don't know if they're going to keep their manager or not, but if they bring in a new front office, you can bet there's going to be some changes. So he's he's sitting in the catbird seat. He, he could go to a lot of places that need manager, including Baltimore. He could go to Baltimore. If, if, so, I'm, if I'm Girardi, I go to the Angels. Yeah, uh, that would make sense. I mean, if you're, it depends on the kind of contract you're going to get, but if they... You know, Sosha was there for how many years? 10, 19, 12 years? 19. 19 years, my God. 19 years, one World Series, six playoff appearances. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a great market out there. And if you like living in L.A., that's fine. Uh, if, you, if you live more than 10 minutes from Anaheim Stadium, uh, it's it's not a great place to live. But, again, you know, Girardi could go just go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, what what about the National League? Have you heard of any openings? I'm, Washington, we haven't heard a word about it, but Dave Martinez, boy, after an 82-80 and 80 campaign with the Nationals, who knows what's going to happen with that guy. You see, to me, that is the better deal for a Girardi because that team just played poorly this year. You can't expect it to be as you know unproductive this year, even though they're probably going to lose their slugger. Who do you think is going to sign him? Um, $300 million. You're, you're talking about Harper? Yeah. Well, the big rumor lately has been the Cubs, but I still think Philadelphia and Atlanta are going to battle this thing out. And don't be shocked if Atlanta has the inside track because he's from Georgia. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I don't know. You know, At- Atlanta's sitting there with all that young talent. All that money that they've got from the new stadium coming in now. I mean, it's, it's, and, and they're winning. Okay. It's a hotbed. It wouldn't shock me a bit to see them go out and get a Bryce Harper. Philadelphia, I don't know. I, you know, the Phillies don't excite me, Mark. I mean, first of all, I think Gabe Kapler's a joke as a manager. First of all. Secondly, I just don't see the talent that they've got on that team. Yeah, they've got some, but I think they played over their head this year. I, I really do. And as far as Washington is concerned, I think maybe getting rid of Harper will be the best thing in the world for him. I, you know, I said that to somebody yesterday uh, because the rumor was he's going to be looking for plus three hundred million, thirty million a year for ten years, and I, <laughs> he, he's. An okay player. He's, he's no. He's he's, he's not, not a five-tool player. No, he's not. And uh, again, as they get older, the power wanes and all that stuff. But and he's never a contact hitter. He's going to strike out a lot. Uh, he's an okay defensive player. Not not superstar by any means. If you're going to if you're a team that can afford three hundred million dollars, I sure as hell wouldn't invest that in Bryce Harper. No. <laughs> I mean, I I go after Kershaw for three hundred million. Or something, you know, something like that. Uh, maybe not even for Kershaw, but uh, you know, those those guys are going to be available. But that, that's going to be an interesting dynamic of how other teams view, say, a Bryce Harper and a Kershaw. If you if you if you want to win next year, and you're going to have to invest twenty five thirty million dollars a year for a number of years, where do you put your money? And I'll bet you it's not Bryce Harper. All right, let's get to the other four questions that the Reds website is asking. Can the here here's the second question. Can the Reds improve their starting pitching? They're saying Louis Castillo and Anthony DiSclefani will be in the starting rotation next year. That means they've got three other spots that they need to go out and take care of. Now Matt Harvey's going to be a free agent. He has said he will sign anywhere except for the Mets. And he's just he's come right out and just said not forget the Mets. I'm not going back there. But there's free agent pitchers available out there. For example, Dallas Keuchel, Patrick Corbin, Clayton Kershaw. If he opts out of his deal with the Dodgers, a, a pitcher that you brought up a week ago, Gio Gonzalez from Washington, Adam Wainwright out of St. Louis, Lance Lynn 
and Wade Miley. Those are pitchers that the Indian or that the Reds appear to have an interest in. Yeah, I think the Reds on that list outside. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Reds go after Keiko. He seems like their type of guy. Uh, they're not going to go after Kershaw. They can't afford it. But I think Corbin out of Arizona uh, and Miley. Uh, I think those are the kinds of guys the Reds are going to go after. And I predict they're going to sign two of those guys. They will sign two off that list. I'll tell you, if I had my pick of those uh, out of that bunch, other than Clayton Kershaw, all right, let, let's just eliminate yeah. Kershaw. I'd take Keiko and Lance Lynn. Uh, I wouldn't take Lynn. Oh, I would. Yeah. I think he's over the hill. I, I'd rather take uh, – the Reds need a couple left-handers. <clears throat> and that's – that. I, I like Corbin a lot. I hope the Reds go after him and give him a shot. Uh, and I like Miley. Uh, he, he can be really effective. See, I don't, I, I, I don't like Gonzalez. He's too old. Wainwright over the hill. You think Lance Lynn is? I don't know. He, he's 29. Um, I would stick with him as a right-hander. But I like Keuchel. I like yeah, Corbin. I like Keuchel a lot. Yeah, and I like Miley. Well, I want to review before we get off. I guess we're not going to see Jeff here. Um, I, I want to go back in time, Dave, to and reminisce a bit uh, about the Reds and go back to those heady days that the Reds, this year they were 67 and 95. And I think back to last year when they were 68 and 94 and the year before, 68 and 94. I mean, those were big time days for the Reds. And here they are now only 67 and 95. But at this rate, uh, the Reds lose a hundred games in five more years. But, but the reason I brought up the, 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 the losing records in the central, the Reds are going to have another good draft choice this year. So that makes it five years in a row that they've had a top five draft choice or top six draft choice. And I want to ask you, Dave, you're a baseball maven. You know everything it is about baseball. The team, the way they've drafted, tell me what they're doing wrong so we can fix this. They've got no plan. They have no plan. I've said that over the last two months. They have no plan. They go into it, and they don't even look at the players that they need. They don't look at it as far as the best players that are available on the board. They hopscotch all over the place. You know, I've said this time and time again that when the Indians, the Dolans took over, they said, we're going for pitching, period. That's what we're going to do in the draft. We're going to build this foundation on pitching. What are the Reds building it on? Nobody seems to know. One year it's a third baseman in Senzel. The next year it's a Hunter Green. The next year it's a catcher. The next year it's a pitcher. They have no plan as to what they are doing in the scouting department. Once they get a plan, and, and the fact of the matter is, Mark, you've said this now for three years. And, I, I, and this is the third question that Billy Hamilton, Mark, there is nobody out there that is going to take Billy Hamilton as a defensive specialist. I'm sorry, it isn't going to happen. They're not going to spend the money on a guy that they're going to bring in in the 7th or 8th inning and on the off chance that somebody is going to try to hit one over the fence and he'll go catch it. It isn't going to happen. And Billy Hamilton's a... Yeah, you could, he is a waste of a ball player on a team like the Reds. Yes, I won. I finally convinced you. I've been saying this 
Mark, I, I, I've been agreeing with you. I mean, the fact of the matter is there, there's no sense in this. They're finishing 64, 65, 66 wins. A defense, go out and get yourself a guy who commits 30 errors a year, but, com, but also bangs out 30 to 40 home runs. Yeah, I mean, we're talking from the same hymnal now. And what the problem is, again, there's no plan, but they have, they have, studiously avoided the idea that they're going to go out and sign a free agent. They just they just won't do it. So when you take that option off the table, you are eliminating a lot of potential ball players that could come in and help your ball club. So but this is, I, I, went, but, I went back and I looked at the Reds' draft choices from 2012 to, to now. Jeff Gerlach was their pick uh, in the 2012 draft. Now, have you ever heard of Jeff Gerlach? No. Me either. 2013, Philip Irvin. Yeah, I've heard of him. Oh, yeah, well, he hit 250 this year. Yeah. And this is his fifth or sixth year, and in, in, he's, he's not a game changer. Michael Lorenzen in 2013, good pick. What is he? A relief pitcher. He's a relief pitcher. He should have been a starter, but he's a relief pitcher. Uh, is he a superstar? No. No. Not anywhere near it. 2014, Nick Howard. Who? Yeah, who? Okay, let's move on. Uh, Also in 2014, supplemental draft, Alex Blandino. Nice little backup shortstop. Yeah. Is he a star? No. No. 2015, Tyler Stevenson, a catcher. He's in double-A ball. He's not even in triple-A yet. They drafted him in 2015. Yeah. 2016. Nick Senzel. Uh, now, now, wait a second. Tyler Stevenson in 2015. Yeah. You've got Devin Mesoraco on the team that you're expected, that at that point in time, Mark, they expected to be the cornerstone of the franchise. That's right. And they draft a catcher. I rest my case. What do they need? What does this, this team need now? Pitching. 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 Well, they, they, they needed pitching in 2015. Yeah. They were sixty-eight and ninety, or sixty-four and ninety-eight. Yeah, and they, they draft a catcher when they already have what they thought was an all-star catcher. Two thousand sixteen, Nick Senzel. What's he play? Third base. He plays third base. He's been injured for ever since he's been up. He's been on the DL every year. I'm not saying he's not going to be a great player. I think he will. But what you said before was the Reds needed what? Pitching. All right. Also in two thousand sixteen, Taylor Trammell. He's still in double-A ball. What is he? Pitcher. No, no he's, he's, he's outfielder. center fielder. He's, a, he's an outfielder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he hit two forty two this year. Uh, 2017, Hunter Green, right-hand pitcher shortstop. They, they drafted him when he was 17 years old. Uh, I think everybody says he's going to be a great player. He won't be a great player in the big leagues for another three or four years. And then he also got a shortstop in 2017, Jeter Downs. He's still in able. And then in 2018, they drafted a third baseman, Jonathan India, who he is too short of time in minor league ball to see if he's going to be any good or not. But your theory of Vessel is certainly accurate in that the Reds needed pitching and they didn't draft it. 
And and that that's what they need to do, Mark. They've got to have – I don't care if they go out and they say, okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to go out and we're going to draft the best hitters we can find. We're going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates of the 1970s and transform it onto our Reds team in the 2020s. I don't care what they say they're going to do, but they've got to have a plan. Mark, they've got to have a plan. They don't have one right now. They're hopscotching all over the place. Now, I could see, you know, quite honestly, I I said this about a month ago, too, two or three weeks ago. If I'm going into next year, my outfield next year is going to be Nixon Zell in left field, uh, Shebler in center, and Winker in right. That's my outfield next year. Billy Hamilton is gone. He is no longer a part of this ball club. Have a nice year. Go play with somebody else. If you beat us with your gloves sometime down the road, God bless you. But we know you're not going to do it with the bat. So go have a good time playing someplace else. My gut feeling is, Mark, he's going to end up playing in Indianapolis next year. Well, the thing that bothered me most about him this year was his lack of aggressiveness stealing bases. He only stole 30, what, 32 bases this year, and yeah. he had stolen over 50 for four consecutive years. Now, I don't know what kind of strategy that is other than the managers didn't want him to try and steal, but he has a lifetime, what, 80% steal rate. Why not <laughs> have him steal? Yep. If he doesn't steal bases for you, what the hell good is he? Okay. Because that's why you have him on your roster. That kind of idiocy in terms of their strategic plan on the field, forget off the field, was just mind-numbing to me. There, there were times this year he'd get on first base with nobody out or one out in a close game, and he wouldn't he wouldn't try and steal. Yeah, it's an automatic double almost. But that comes from the manager. Here, here, here's my plan for the Reds. All right, that's my outfield plan. Then I go out and I sign two of those pitchers that you just talked about. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to spend the money on Josh Donaldson. Because by the time the Reds are a good ball club, Mark, he's going to be old. He's not going to be with the ball club. I'm going to spend spend money on the pitching staff like I know I should. Then I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a deal and I'm going to get myself another outfielder so I don't have to play Shebler in center field, but he could be my fourth outfielder. And finally, I'm going to give the money to Scooter Jeanette. And if I'm not going to give the money to Scooter Jeanette, he isn't going to be my second baseman next year. He's going to be playing second base for somebody else. Like the Dodgers. Well, if they don't sign Scooter Jeanette, you're going to hear uproar like you haven't heard in years in Cincinnati. He is one of the most uh, popular players with the fans and his teammates. He is he is very popular and with the press. The press loves him. Mm-hmm. So if you give up a guy who had three ten, uh, who had what twenty five, twenty twenty three, twenty four, twenty five home runs, uh, had the highest. Uh, uh, runners in scoring position, batting average on on the team. He, he was just an outstanding, he had an outstanding year. And you know what surprised me? As the year went on, he got much better defensively. And they said the reason was he had been suffering from a very sore arm. That's why Milwaukee trained him because he had an injured right throwing shoulder. Yeah. And it's coming around. But he he played certainly adequate defense. Do you know how much he made this year? No. He was a Bargain basement ball player, BBB, five point seven million dollars. Now they got him under control, I think, for another year. One more year, one more year, and he's twenty-eight years old, Mark. He's entering his prime. Twenty-eight yeah, years a, old. He, he's a tough out, man. I mean, he, he is. 
he's a battler, and I, I like his personality. And I, I remember when the Reds had Joe Morgan. Everybody said Joe Morgan was the greatest second baseman of all time. He wasn't. No. He, he was an average defender. He had a, he had a crappy arm. He had, he had no arm at all. Did not turn the double play well. He was very fast on the base paths and, and was one of the best offensive second basemen in baseball history. But he wasn't, he was not a good, uh, defensive player. Well, if you recall, Joe Morgan came over from Houston and where did he play with Houston? Shortstop. Yeah, that's he was right. he was a shortstop coming up. They moved him to second base because of his arm. That's right. That was that and was it, the big thing. Scooter's certainly good enough defensively, and he makes up for it offensively. I just I think he's a great addition to the team. One of the one of the moves that did work for the Reds was was getting Scooter Jeanette. That was a very very good move, and I, I think it's more of a bad move on Milwaukee's part. But on the other hand, the Reds have Jeanette, and they finished last, and Milwaukee traded him, and they finished first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it worked out tremendously for Milwaukee. It it really did. And you talk about a deal that worked out tremendously for Milwaukee, the Christian Yelich deal. And who oh God, could, who could have had Christian Yelich? Uh, I think it's a team in Cincinnati. I you know, whatever yeah. team that is. Yeah, uh, un- unbelievable the trades that the Reds turned down over the past few years. It was going to be Chapman for Yelich. And and Yelich, do you okay? Yelich won the batting title. He finished one shy of winning the home run title and two RBIs shy of winning the RBI title. That, that's how close he was to winning the triple crown. And how often did we hear about Christian Yelich, Mark, going for the triple crown? All we ever heard about was J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts in Boston. That's, yeah, Boston. Would they win 109 games this year? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Let's let me put this into let me put this into perspective for you, okay? In night in in 1995, Albert Bell hit 50 home runs and 50 doubles for a team that won 100 games out of 144. All right, Christian Yelich just almost won the triple crown, and he was underpublicized. Due to the fact that Boston won 109 games, and all you heard about was J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. Now, let me ask you this question, Mark. In 1995, who won the American League Most Valuable Player Award? 1995? Yeah. 1995. Barry Larkin? No. I'm talking about American League. Oh, American League. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. uh, American League, American League, American League. Uh, Oh, it was uh, Albert Bell. No, nope. I, I've got a. I've. I. It, it was the Boston first baseman. Uh, Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn wins the American League Most Valuable Player award over a guy who hit two ninety, fifty homers, fifty RBI or fifty doubles, over a hundred RBIs in a hundred. And 44 games for a team that won 100 out of the 144. And Mo Vaughn wins the most valuable player. You tell me where the hell the media is in Major League Baseball. It's in Boston and New York. Dave, 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 calm down. It was 23 years ago. You've got to let it go. No, but what I'm saying is Christian Yelich has been an an afterthought on everything this year, Mark. Nobody even knew Christian Yelich had an opportunity to win the Triple Crown. Nobody. 
until this past weekend. In back-to-back series against the Reds, the guy went 11 for 11 and two um, cycles. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, hit, he hit the cycle twice against the Reds within like 30 days. I, I believe. Mark, all right, let me let me get your – by the time we come on next Monday night, the Indians-Houston series could be over. Could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts, very quickly, your thoughts on that series. Uh, I'll tell you, I've got to go with Houston. Not, not my heart, but my head. Uh, I, I, I don't think we have seen them play their best ball yet, but if we have not seen Cleveland play their best ball yet, they're going to get swept. Well, I'm going to take the Indians in four. That that'll I'm not be. Saying it's not going to be close, but I I agree with you. I think it's going to be close. Uh, the I, Indians have, have yet to. The good news is the Indians have yet to play their best ball of the year. That's the good news. When was the last back-to-back World Series champion? Mm, New York, I guess. The yeah, yeah, the Yankees, and it was a long time ago. Yeah, it's tough. That? It's tough to win back-to-back. It sure is. And, yeah. And, but, you know, you, you haven't heard much about Houston this year, as much. Yeah. Because they they got they started off so well, then they went into a slump, and what did they lose? Seven, eight, nine in a row? Something yeah. Like that? Yeah. They've had a lot of injuries. Pitching hasn't been all that great. Bullpen has been kind of haphazard, but it's a different season. It's the playoffs. We'll talk about it again next week, Mark. We'll see you then. Have a good one. That's going to do it for tonight's program, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Don't forget, coming up this weekend, we've got high school football and college football for you on Friday night. Roger Bacon will be on the road playing at McNicholas. Rob Rickenbaugh and I will be on with the pregame show at 6 o'clock, kickoff at 7 here on Ultimate Sports Talk. And on Saturday afternoon, it's homecoming for Mount St. Joseph as they will take on Manchester. That'll be at 1.30 from Schuler Field here in Cincinnati. I'll be on the air with the pregame show on that one starting at 12.30 from Schuler Field this Saturday afternoon. Lions trying to stay unbeaten in the Heartland Conference. And, of course, the Indians and the Reds are done for the, well, I should say the Indians are getting ready for playoff action, and that'll be coming up on Friday as they open up in Houston against the defending world champion, Astros. We'll talk about that and more coming up next Monday night on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody.